Blog Talk Radio. Anticipated being cleared up in the near future. 
the school is still waiting for a ruling from the NCAA. And the eligibility questions appear to focus the Ohio's time at our Saber New American School, private high school, uh, as I said, in Long Island. This is a story on KansasCity.com from the Kansas City Star reporter Rustin Dodd. And we're going to try to get Rustin on the show later this week. It's not unusual for these types of processes to drag on. Plenty of different players have had this happen to them. But I do find it interesting. And I can tell you what, folks, I've had some experiences with our savior. Um, this is a unique high school. It's a high school, I can tell you right now, it's it's not like other high schools. <laughs> In that there aren't a lot of kids. Uh, they are known for their athletics over their academics, just saying. Kansas starts fall semester classes August 24th. Season tip-off party is October 9th. Uh, Bill Self said, quote, to Russ and Dodd, he did everything that's been asked of him to do. He's swaying to be cleared, end quote. So that's where we're at with this. Sheik Diallo's status uh, is in question. And I don't think there's a big concern quite yet. doesn't sound like Bill Self's that concerned. He's been through this before uh, with previous Jayhawks. Brandon Rush wasn't eligible to play college basketball until early September. Uh, ben McElmore, Jamari Trailer were deemed as uh, partial qualifiers. Nonetheless, he's a huge reason. Diallo for Kansas to be in the top 10. He's a huge reason why they are uh, picked right near the top in the country in early polls. My number one team in the country. That's to come later on the show. Second storyline to talk about, Ben Simmons and the LSU Tigers. They have been in some early early polls, early projections. Uh, I am bought in. I'm also bought in the fact, folks, that I'll be honest with you, beyond Kentucky, I'm not completely sold on the Southeastern Conference. I don't think that's a stretch to say at all. Okay? Uh, Florida loses uh, Billy Donovan. That's huge. It's bigger than it looks right now. It's big. LSU's going to take a jump with Ben Simmons. This kid is for real. Number one man to come out of high school. Six foot ten. Got the potential to be college basketball's biggest star. To have all eyes watching on LSU. This kid is ridiculous. He's versatile. Once again, he's six foot ten. That's NBA type size for a kid that can drive to the rim. And if he can shoot the ball consistently from 15 feet and beyond, this kid could go number one in the NBA draft. But when you have the size that he does, it automatically makes you a massive threat. He's going to be handling the ball a ton with LSU. I mean, he will have it in his hands and at his size. Once again, that, that's just so huge. From watching him, uh, and watching him in the McDonald's High School All-American Game, the Nike Hoop Summit, this kid drives. He can fly up the floor. And they LSU has pieces around him. They get his AAU teammate in Antonio 
Blankney, uh, Brandon Sampson. They have a wing named Tim Quarterman, who really is a great complimentary player in, in my eyes. Uh, we, we've seen Jabari Parker, uh, Kevin Durant come through and, and teams not be able to get past you know, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament with big-time stars. I can tell you right now, LSU's going to the tournament, and with this kid and the way that he plays, if LSU plays the right way around him, with the complimentary pieces that they have, I'm bought into them. And I'm bought into them because of the conference that they're from. I'm bought into them because uh, of this kid's size and, and the pieces around him. Um, I, I like the staff's place at LSU. But I'll be honest, this isn't to rip the SEC, but I, I'm not fond of it. Okay, it, it is nowhere near the AAC, uh, the ACC. <laughs> it's past the AAC. Nobody's getting over SMU uh, in that conference. Although right now things aren't looking good for SMU. But uh, they're not near the ACC. They're not near the Big Ten. The the SEC just isn't there. Kentucky's a top five team again. The ACC potentially has three teams in the top five. To my top five coming up. The ACC is fascinating. Uh, what the old Big East was doing, the ACC is now doing. I mean, five teams in the Sweet 16 last year, and that didn't include Virginia, who will be superb defensively again under Tony Bennett. I think they're the best defensive team in America again. And there are just teams across the board that are really, really good in this conference. Marcus Page gets another go at it at North Carolina. Um, the Tar Heels return nine of their top ten players from last year's team. And on that note, that's our third storyline to open up late night hoops. We go to our guest, a familiar friend of the show. He is the chief editor at DailyDoseOfHoops.com. All of his writing can be found there. Daily Dose of Hoops on Twitter. Uh, that is an outstanding, and it's D-A-L-Y, outstanding, outstanding Twitter account for college basketball. He was at the tournament this past weekend at Rose Hill Gym. We're going to talk to him about that. And he's got all news and notes on the metro area, college basketball, and beyond. Quite an introduction because quite a college basketball reporter in Jaden Daly. Jaden, the road to the season. We are 100 days away from Friday, November 13th, tomorrow. So it would only be fitting. I just had to start up the Late Night Hoops talk. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, John. I thank you for the introduction, and I think it's fitting that you brought me in when you were talking about North Carolina. Absolutely. (laughs) Your thoughts on the Tar Heels? Well, John, I'd be lying to you if I said that they weren't my preseason number one, because they are, and it's got nothing to do with bias. It's got nothing to do with what they bring back. Well, in a way, it does. Marcus Sage should be the preseason player of the year in the ACC, but he's not doing it alone. Keep an eye on Bryce Johnson. I think he should average a double-double this year because he has gotten so much better, not just at the rim, John, but finishing as well. He's more of a rebound threat than he was in his freshman and sophomore seasons. He had a big leap, sophomore to junior last year. Isaiah Hitch should be much improved as well. Kennedy Meach should be much improved as well. Kenny Williams, the freshman that turned down VCU after Shaka Smart left and went back to UNC, should help with the three-point shooting. They're a complete team, John, for the first time since the 2008-09 season when they brought Hansborough, Lawson, and Ellington back, and Danny Green as well, and they won a national championship that year. Hopefully the same thing can happen for Roy Williams, which would be his third. 
We will get back to the ACC in a second, but we're taking your call, 718-664-9391. Little call in tonight. We go to 908-601-2284. We'll call here in the metro area. Hi, who's this? Where are you calling from? Good evening. This is uh, Gumpatch, uh, Jaden's buddy Mark, a big Mac Hoops fan. Hey, Mark, Uh, how are you? Just got uh, home from Summer League, saw some of the Monmouth University guys going down there. Chris Brady, I think he's going to have a big year this year. He had a great time uh, down in China. Looks like he's in great shape. Justin Robinson, absolutely fantastic, all-conference point guard. Uh, just wondering uh, what your picks are for the MAC. Uh, I know uh, with stores coming back, Manhattan's going to be dangerous, but uh, always love to hear what Jaden has to say. Jaden, go right ahead. Well, Mark, first off, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Hoops in the summer. You can't beat it. Yeah, always good to <laughs> no, hear you can't. I get I got to get to one of those JSBL games at some point. It seems like it's a great time going on. But to answer your question, I think Monmouth is a top two team in the MAC. I don't know if I don't know if at first blush they they have the horses on paper to beat Iona because you know you know just as well as I do, Mark, how well conclusive loads every year. AJ English is back. Isaiah Williams is back. But that doesn't mean the Hawks are going to go quietly into the night. They gained much needed experience in their semifinal loss to Iona, and if they didn't give up 19 three-pointers, they may very well have beaten them. I think Monmouth is definitely a team to look out for. Justin Robinson might be a MAC Player of the Year contender. You heard it here first. And the big impact for Jalon Hornbeek and Micah Seaborn, if the two of them can live up to their expectations, it's going to be a pretty nice party in West Long Branch. One more thing, guys. Uh, I got the. Uh, I've had the pleasure to see uh, Damon Lynn from NJIT play down there. Oh, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, he's phenomenal. John, fifty-three points tonight. His oh, team upset the number one seed in the, in the JSBL playoffs. I mean, I know it's summer league, but fifty-three points. The kid is unbelievable. He's playing on a team with uh, Tim Coleman, who's also from NJIT. Very good, uh, burly forward. Um, and then they have a couple of the incoming NJIT freshmen. I, how great of a story would it be if they win the A-Sun this year? Oh, and they can. They can, Mark. They are one of the top teams in that league, and Lynn is their leader. I mean, he is such a dynamic scorer. I'll tell you what Jim Angles has done there. Uh, that guy, if they can go after the A-Sun crown, you know what, I'd be willing to put him in coach of the year conversation across the, the country and what he's meant to that program. Uh, fantastic job out of him. Mark, anything else? Uh, just NJIT. I mean, even I caught up, I got caught up in it just as a, uh, you know, uh, New York, New Jersey basketball fan uh, watching those games in the late tournament, uh, getting caught up with that team, watching them play this summer. I mean, it would be great. I think that, uh, you know, some of the other New Jersey teams uh, around here are hopefully are starting to pick up some and steam, and hopefully one of them will make it to the tournament this year. And I appreciate you guys taking my call, as always. I'll hang up and listen, and uh, uh, it's great to be talking hoops in August. It really is oh. the best. Thanks, guys. Mark, always Mark, pleasure, Mark. so much. Mark, that's a great phone call. Please call anytime. That that right there, uh, that was a great five minutes from Mark there, who was out there watching some summer league action. Uh, Jaden, I think he touches on it with NJIT, and for folks across the country, I know we're in this area, so we see it even more, but that is a powerful story in the world of college basketball. For them to get in the I, conference for as much as Jim Ingles has tried, that might be one of the best storylines of the off season. I agree, John. NJIT was a feel-good story last year, too. Beating Michigan, 
taking St. John's to the wire, taking Marquette to the wire, having a lead late against Villanova in the second half of the season. And you just can't say enough about what Jimmy Ingles has done with that program. They were 1-30 when he got there in 2008. I actually saw that team in his first season because they played St. John's, and I produced that game at WSJU many moons ago. But what he has done with this team, and you mentioned Lynn, you mentioned Coleman, Daquan Holliday is another player that doesn't get enough credit for what NJIT has done and how much they've revitalized that program. And they're going into an Atlantic Sun, John, where it's pretty much wide open. Now with Mercer and the SOCON, that lead is anybody's game every year, and I think it could be NJIT and Florida Gulf Coast for, for the championship. And if so, not only does it validate NJIT even further, I think Ingles gets a big job as a result of it next year if something opens up. And for that program, it was a Division three, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, to make them jump into the tournament. It's college basketball. You can't make it up. Well, now I'm going to unveil my preseason number one. And Jaden Daly may uh, have a gasp because you could argue that they're just the third best team in the ACC. And I would respect that argument, maybe even the fourth. Uh, but I'm ready to go with it, Jaden. I feel like the best team in America is the Maryland Terrapins. I love Mello Trimble. I love Jake Lehman, as is I had him in my top uh, six, seven. I know it's a risk. And I know it's a risk for me to take it, take them. Uh, but with Robert Carter and the boost that he brings, uh, and you know what? I actually – I just laid an egg because I forgot that if you put them in the ACC, you probably could argue that they're just third or fourth best. But I think they're by far the best team in the, the Big Ten. We're wiping off some rust here on the show. I'm going with the Terrapins of Maryland. And I think Rashid Suleiman is obviously a huge risk. But the fact of the matter is this. With the kids that they already have coming back, I had them in my top six or seven. If Suleiman plays to his full capability, there is no reason why he can't form a big-time duo with Carter, who will be down low for them. I think they are the best team in the Big Ten, Jaden Daly. Are they a top three team for you in the country since you have UNC at the top of uh, the nation? Yes, they're number two. It was Carolina and Maryland 1-2 for me, even in the middle of last year. I mean – I wish they were still in the ACC growing up as as a fan of that rivalry. Carolina-Maryland was always my favorite rivalry growing up, and they play each other in Chapel Hill on December 1st. I'm considering going down to that game with our good friend Josh Adams. I actually have to touch base with him on that little road trip later on in the year. But you mentioned Carter. You mentioned Trimble. You mentioned Lehman. You mentioned Suleiman from Duke. You left out Diamond Stone, the highly touted freshman that Mark Turgeon brought in proving that he can recruit and recruit well after Gary Williams retired, and a lot of people left the Terps for dead. He's going to fit in very well up front. That front line is going to give a lot of teams in the Big Ten problems. I think Michigan State and Wisconsin are very distant, second and third. Indiana as well with what Tommy Crean has brought in. So a three-horse race for second in that conference behind Maryland. I think they're number two right now. They could be number one eventually if UNC struggles, but I have second best right now. We are talking college basketball here. It is late night hoops. We are just outside 100 days until Friday, November 13th, when all the games will tip off. Jaden, from this summer, 
uh, all the headlines uh, that have come out. Which one intrigues you the most heading into this upcoming season? Is there a new coach that intrigues you? Is there a program that uh, you think is uh, extremely intriguing to watch? Uh, which team should people be circling right now or, or thinking about or figure in the college basketball world? There are a few different ones, but the one that jumps out at me most, and I think you'll agree with this having covered the Big East probably better than anybody, even myself, would be Marquette. I think Steve Wojciechowski has really positioned this program to take off and become what it once was and what it had been even as recently as two or three years ago. You have the outstanding recruiting class with Ellenson, with Cheatham, and Fisher coming back, Dwayne Wilson coming back. Carlino is going to be tough to lose, but when you look at this team, John, they're a top-half team in the Big East already with what they have. There's no reason to believe they can't contend with a Villanova or a Georgetown. I think they're going to be a top 25 team midway through the year. Well, that's a bold, bold proclamation. I think that they are the fifth best team in the league, but they have the potential to have the start that a, they remind me going into the season of a Seton Hall from this past year, uh, a team that has a lot of hype surrounding it and some talent coming back. Uh, I like the, the makeup of the roster. Can they keep it together? Can those new faces uh, in Ellenson be able to lead the way consistently? That's the question. That's what a lot of teams have had trouble with. But they certainly have the makeup of a really good team in the Big East Conference, and they're going to be fighting uh, with, I think, the likes of Xavier, Providence, uh, for those four, five, six slots. I think the top three in the league, I go Villanova, Butler, Georgetown. People forget about Kellen Dunham and Roosevelt Jones coming back. Both of them are fantastic players. Jones is a small pickup truck, Jaden. And what Chris Holtman did this past year, we talk about the story that Jim Angles put together. How about Holtman just pick him right up? The, the mess that Brandon Miller left, because he left and Holtman did something with it. And don't forget that Brandon Miller tried to pick up for Brad Stevens leaving for the Celtics. So Chris Holtman, in effect, True. replaced two coaches at Butler last year and got virtually ignored by the national media, and that was a downright travesty. I think he should have won National Coach of the Year going away, but unfortunately did not. It was upstaged by Calipari going 38-0. But you mentioned Butler. You bring up a good point with Jones, and they're getting experience from someone who won't play this year but will be a factor down the road. That's Keith and Savage, the transfer they got from George Washington the combo guard that can really do a little bit of everything. We've seen him up close in the Atlantic 10 tournament the past couple of years when he was playing for Mike Lonergan. So he brings in experience that will serve Butler well. You mentioned Dunham. You mentioned Jones. Tyler Weidman is going to make a big jump for them as well. Keelan Martin as well off the bench. This this team, I have them third behind Villanova and Georgetown, but there's no reason, there's no reason to think they couldn't make a run. Talking college basketball here on late night. I hope just a few minutes left on the show. Uh, Jaden Daly, we've hit on the big, we've hit on the uh, ACC, we've hit on the Big Ten, we've hit on the Big East. Let's get to another big. Let's get to the Big Twelve. Who challenges Kansas here at the top? I've got my team ready. Who do you? It's got to be Iowa State. Steve Prohm walked into a dream situation when Fred Hoiberg left Iowa State to better over than the Kansas. Chicago Bulls. I don't know if they're better than Kansas, but they do bring back their personnel that has been the core of that team 
Niang is back. Niang is back. Jamil McKay, the Marquette transfer, is back. Deontay Burton, the other Marquette transfer, is is going to be there (laughs) for the full season. Uh, Halise Cook from Oregon State as well. It will be eligible this year. People forget what Iowa State has has done, and they've done it on a national scale the same way that Iona has here, relying on transfers and plugging them into a pro-set system. And for Steve Prohm, who has developed his share of guards with Cameron Payne and even before that, Isaiah Cannon, who was one of the best backcourt generals in the country, Iowa State is a fringe top-five team. I don't know if they're better than Kansas per se. I, I think the Jayhawks have to have the edge going in just because of their reputation and what they do every year. But Iowa State's right there with them, John. It's neck and neck. I really do believe that with those two teams at the top, uh, I mean, are we forgetting here? Lon Kruger has done with the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, I look at the core that he brings back again, and, and they look like there's no there's no reason why uh, they can't be, you know, a four seed or better in the NCAA tournament. I look at that program. I'm very impressed by the way that he's built it up. They're a top ten program as well, no doubt. And getting Buddy Heald to come back for another year, huge, probably the best thing that could have happened, not just to that team, John, but to that conference. Yeah, that that's massive for the Big Twelve, and they are a very physical team. They play a very unique style. Um, it, it it's going to be a unique year in the Big Twelve. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see what will happen to Texas. Uh, that is a, a fascinating storyline. Jaden, you know Shaka Smart uh, as well as anybody around this metro area. What do you make of that situation? He's going to have his struggles trying to um, implement havoc with, with the existing personnel that Rick Barnes had. He did get a key commitment in Tevin Mack, who had initially pledged to play for him no matter what at VCU, and then followed him to Austin when he took the job. They're probably fourth or fifth best in the Big 12 by default just because of how good the top three in front of them and even Baylor are. So Shaka's got his work cut out for him. Are they a tournament team? Yeah, I think they are. But can they make a significant impact right away? I think the jury is still out. Jaden Daly, you're always good at this. A super early sleeper or two for the 2015-16 season. Hmm. Well, last year I had Kansas and it worked out. Uh, let's see. <laughs> it did. I like Miami to be third best in the ACC. Jim Laranago took this team within an eyelash of an NIT championship, had a late, an uncharacteristic late-game meltdown that cost, it, cost them a win against Stanford. They bring everybody else back. Angel Rodriguez is going to be healthy, which is huge, and they get Kamari Murphy from Oklahoma State. After Carolina – and maybe UVA, who everybody forgets about with Justin Anderson gone, but Brogdon is still there, Parentis is still there, and Duke's freshmen are going to have a rough patch. There's always one team that comes out of nowhere. Last year it was Notre Dame. I think this year it will be Miami. Yeah, the Fighting Irish certainly did come out of nowhere. And watch out for Demetrius Jackson. That's huge for for him to be coming back, and, and he could make a major jump. Trying to think of what what I've got up my sleeve here. I think uh, I, I hate to do this, 
because I think I, I took, actually, I love to do this. I took a lot of heat for doing it last year, and I'm doing it again. Bring back Jacob Polto, who was projected to be a top 10, a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. He's a seven footer. They lose to Lamright, but Brandon Taylor, Jordan Lovewitz, DeCurry Tucker, uh, and then Brecca Chapman. I'm going back to the Utah Utes, and I'm saying that they, again, are an under-the-radar team. I just I never can trust some of these teams out west in the Pac-12, and I like them. I love Polta. He's a big-time prospect uh, for an NBA team to be named later. But I'm, go- I'm going with them again, one thing's for sure. Uh, there's nothing better than the lead-up to college basketball season. So much hope, so much going on. Jaden Daly, it's been a pleasure to have you. Where can we find your great work? As always, John, Daily Dose of Hoops on Twitter and on the interwebs, on the air for pretty much a bevy of different schools, hopefully Manhattan College again this season as they look for a third straight MAC championship. They got Rashawn Stores back for a fifth year, which is going to be huge for Steve Massiello and the Jaspers. They needed some help in the backcourt. They got their floor general back. It'll be a three-horse race with them. I own them on the there's the Mac note right there from Jaden Daly. Late Night Hoops is back at it. 11 o'clock tomorrow, we welcome in Matt Velasquez, beat reporter for the Marquette Golden Eagles. It'll be a lot of fun to talk to him. And then Big East basketball reporter Robert O'Neill joins us as well. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Fanta. And at NCAA Hoops, 100 days away. Back at it 11 tomorrow night. So long, everybody. Good night.